Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is uh, uh, Peter Wells' uh, podcast. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Excellent. Uh, meta, right? Or is it Meta? M- meta? Uh, meta. Meta. But I always say Meta. Meta. Okay, that, that's the American way of saying it. Meta. This is Meta, a podcast about podcasts, and I'm Peter Wells. And today I'm really excited because I'm interviewing one of my all-time favorite podcasts and one that has become my default recommendation for anyone who asks me what the hell I do for a living. I always end up telling them about podcasts and then I end up telling them about Ono, Ross and Kerry. And there's a good reason for that. So I first heard Ono, Ross and Kerry, I think two, two and a half years ago. I had a, a really long drive ahead of me. I had to drive from Melbourne to Sydney. And I was doing it by myself, and so I needed podcasts to get me through that 14-hour drive. I put a call out to Twitter, and I got a whole bunch of uh, replies back, and most were the stuff I'd heard a bunch of times before, and nothing really grabbed me. But a good friend of mine, James, James, hi, if you're listening, uh, told me about this show called Ono, Ross and Kerry. He mentioned that they had uh, an investigation into flat earthers that he said was just mind-boggling, and I had to listen. I looked at it and I thought, well, eh, it sounds like it sounds like they're probably going to be punching down uh, if, they, if they talk to flat earthers. How, how fair can they be? But looking at the show, I saw they also did a 10-part series on Scientology. And, and that's one of the areas that I've always been fascinated in. So I wanted to jump in and listen to that. A couple of hours in, somewhere on the way to Albury, I was completely and utterly hooked. And I listened to the entire 10 episodes on their Scientology before I got to Sydney. Anyway, long story, very long. Uh, That's how I became massive fans of Ross and Kerry. They are fantastic to talk to. Um, Before we get to the interview, here is a clip from the show. Welcome to Oh No, Ross and Carrie, the show where we don't just report on fringe science, spirituality, and claims of the paranormal, but take part ourselves. Yep, when they make the claims, we show up so you don't have to. I'm Ross Blotcher. And I'm Carrie Poppy. And in this episode, we are finally doing... What you want. The one thing people have been asking us to do forever. 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 We've been doing the show for five years now. Yes, it's and- 2016. Yeah, almost five years. In March, it'll be... Five whole years. And this is far and away the number one request number one thing. we have received. We've like hinted at it, right? We've mm-hmm. hinted online. We've, um, you made it pretty clear what I we were going to do. made it pretty clear what we had audited. Yeah, it's Scientology. It's the number one thing we get asked for. Oh, all the time. All the time. And when I are you going to do Scientology? Since year one. Have you done Scientology? I mean, even when I just, even if someone hasn't heard the show and I tell them what we do, they're like, what oh, about yeah. Scientology? Right. I'm like, no, well, we became Mormon. Oh, that's cool. What about Scientology? 
I've got to say, I am super fanboying out right now because Ona Ross and Kerry has been the go-to recommendation that I've had for at least a couple of years when someone has asked me what podcast they should be listening to. It's just the perfect show of this could only be a podcast, but also its production values are so high and I know that it's probably going to be a show that a good majority of people I'm chatting to have never heard of. And so that's that's why it's always my my favorite recommendation. So thank you so much, Ross and Kerry, for joining me today. Oh, thank you. Wow. Thank you, Peter. Great to be here. I'm glad to hear no one you talk to has ever heard our show. <laughs> that's uh <laughs> Well, uh, it's actually good for our particular work. That, that means, you know, and talk to all the right people. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about the concept and how it came about. Uh, you've you've hinted now that I've listened to far too many of your episodes, you've hinted along the way about uh, your own kind of journey into doubt and science and all of that kind of stuff. But yeah, from from, from your own words, how did the show become? Well, okay, Carrie's thinking about this, so I'll jump in. My um, my upbringing was in evangelical Christianity, literal creationism, uh, and when I hit college, there wasn't this big liberal onslaught like you know all of my family feared. But I did have one science professor who recommended that I attend some uh, skeptic society lectures and uh, you know maybe write them up for extra credit. And I was just interested in the topics, and I started attending those while I was still the Bible study leader in college. <laughs> and uh, eventually, you know, it took like a year and a half. Deconversions are very slow, but uh, I, I started questioning my beliefs, and and eventually kind of ended up on the non-belief side of things and uh, skepticism. And so I started getting really involved in the community. And that is where I met Carrie. We were both attending the same book club together, and uh, we would see each other at lectures, and we were two of the very few young people. Uh, and so we met, and it was really the genesis of this, uh, beside just our friendship, was that Carrie had suggested that we attend this Kabbalah lecture. And, and she invited the group, but no one else wanted to go. I was the only one who thought this sounded like a really good idea. Yeah, I want to hear this astrology lecture. And everyone else was saying, why would you do that? That We don't believe that. Uh, and uh, we we did attend. And the next time everybody saw us, they said, oh, tell us how it went. What did you hear? And they they wanted to know everything. But we kept thinking, well, this is weird. You didn't want to go, but you wanted to know about it. And we both kind of had that light bulb of, ah, this might be a thing we could do. I sign off on that. Um yeah, uh, I, I'm trying to think like how far back to go because the the story of the genesis of the show is also, you know, the story of our lives. <laughs> um, uh, because we were both believers, I was also an evangelical Christian. Didn't grow up with it quite the same way Ross did. I got into it through church camp. Um, a friend invited me to church camp, and I just boy bought that whole thing that summer and was in the church ever since until I was mid 20s, somewhere in there. And um, there were a number of experiences that kind of shook my faith. But a central one was that I, I lived in a house that um, I came to believe was haunted. And this was a period of my life where I both believed in uh, and God and was going to church, but also was into, into things like feng shui and tarot cards and kind of exploring the different uh, types of beliefs. And so I came to believe this house was haunted. 
it's a long story, but it turns <laughs> out I was actually, I was actually being uh, poisoned with carbon monoxide, not intentionally, but there was a carbon monoxide leak in the, in the house. And, um, and when I realized that there was this realization of, oh my God, like that was so real to me there, um, there were, there were real feelings in my chest and I would hear sounds and, um, that was all so viscerally real that it was like, oh, okay, well, if that had a very scientific explanation, then what if all beliefs like that? What if it's all just like these these things science didn't get yet and people built myths around them and passed them down? Uh, oh, shit. <laughs> what if my beliefs are like that? What if, what if the Bible's like that? Ah! So I went through my crisis of faith then. Um, and, uh, also ended up at that, that same book club Ross described. I had a little more of a tortured relationship with the organized skeptic movement than Ross did, but, um, but nevertheless really, uh, shared their aims. And so when we, uh, started the show, we just realized there was really like a hunger for a, a, a point of view on beliefs that is science-based, but isn't. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that's one of the things that I find really refreshing about the show is that uh, so often, you know, the the atheist at the party is the person you least want to speak to because, you know, um, <laughs> that there's going to be a certain amount of uh, judging um, or I don't know, th there's none of that. There is no kind of judgment, I feel, when I listen to a show of yours. And so the, the one that got me into it was your um, Scientology uh, series. A friend of mine re recommended Flat Earth, and I thought when I first saw that, I thought, "Well, that sounds like they're going to be punching down." I don't, I don't really want to listen to that, uh, and I was completely wrong. Um, but then I, but yeah, looking over the feed, I saw the Scientology thing, and I ended up listening to, I think, nine episodes in a row on a on a fourteen hour drive that I had to do. Uh, and wow. I got to the other end, and I was just like, "Well, the, here's my new favorite show." Ah, <laughs> that's great. <laughs> that's amazing. And and thank you so much. That means a lot to hear that you don't sense judgment in in how we talk about these things. Yeah, I mean, you, you go to a very a high level of journalism um, to to you know change people's names to uh, to understand where they're coming from. I, th I think it's a very very well balanced uh, show, and that's that's what is the appeal for me. That's one of the appeals for me. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I. Um... I think one thing we really strive to do is also just be really transparent about our biases. We do both come at the show as people who don't believe and every person is biased. And I think that um, journalists often feel this onus to, uh, to be objective. And the reality is no one is objective. And the way to get the closest to objectivity is to know your bias and state it. Mm -hmm. um, so there mm -hmm. are definitely times where, you know, we'll get emails that accuse us of not being, you know, of, of sort of uh, going against our own ideals sometimes and uh, maybe coming down too hard on a subject. And we try to receive those well. Um, but I, I think that's that's the flip side of just like really laying your biases out there. And a lot of our humor I, I think is about our own confusion on certain things and just the weird situations we find ourselves in or a deep dive that we've done into the the beliefs. Um, and, and so hopefully, you know, we're, we're not trying to um, have fun at the expense of well-meaning believers. And um, so I, I think that's another thing, hopefully, that kind of keeps us respectful. 
So, Ross, you said you grew up in a very uh, evangelical background. Uh, how, what does your family make of the show? Or, <laughs> you know, my family is is super sweet and supportive. You know, we still we all still talk, uh, but I do get those occasional tearful. Um, please, you know, people just waiting for me to come back to belief and and they're all kind of expecting at some point, I'll just be this great witness for the Lord because I have gone through this whole, um, this whole journey. You know, my mom just tearful, tearfully said exactly that to me recently, um, over the holidays. And, uh, so, so there's that kind of gentle pressure. My, my sister just recently sent me a sermon series on the end times and wanted to get my reactions to that. Um, so, so, you know, they're all still holding out hope for me, but they stay in communication and some of them have even listened to the podcast and even my dad and stepmom have, oh no, Ross and Carrie shirts <laughs> that they'll wear around town and talk to people. Oh, you should really listen to this. <laughs> um, and, uh, even my, my, well, one of my sisters is kind of the more actively religious one. And, uh, even she has listened to the show and enjoyed it. Oh, good. And and what about people who, for instance, uh, someone who has been in Scientology or has um, been in Scientology and then left and then discovered the show? What kind of feedback do you get from from those kind of listeners? Pretty positive. <laughs> if they've already left, you know, they're kind of hungry for uh, material that really digs at the underpinnings of, in your example, Scientology, looks at the history. What What was all the stuff they missed that they weren't told um, so they're kind of getting a crash course in the other side of all the stuff they've been living for the last however many years. Um, we have interviewed a couple of ex-Scientologists on the show, or the three that I can think of. Um, Chris mm-hmm. Shelton, who was in there for a good 20-odd years. Um, uh, m- uh, Very odd yeah. years. <laughs> uh, Mike Rinder, who was quite high up in the Church of Scientology. Yeah, he was like second or third in command. Yeah. And and then uh, Trevor Heasley, who was an active Scientologist, and he was working at an org where we'd been kicked out. <laughs> and he he found our podcast, at least he found like the image on a Google search. He was looking for the Scientology logo and a picture of our faces came up and he said, I recognize that church and or org rather. And so he um he kind of ratted on us. He he said, hey, these people, they they made a podcast about this location. And he got in trouble for even having been aware of us. They wanted to then do a sec check on him and find out, how did you find out about them? And what do you know about Ross and Carrie? And he's like, whoa, whoa, why don't they like Ross and Carrie so much? And I think that made him curious. And he listened to our show. And he had kind of a negative reaction to it, but he wrote us. And over time, as he listened more, he eventually got to the point where he realized, you know what, I need to leave. And he left Scientology. Yeah. As someone who had a friend who then became a Scientologist, that does not, that behavior does not surprise me. And and that's, that's one of the reasons why I was so drawn to that series. But that was one of your longest and most um, in-depth uh, in- investigations I think you've done. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. 
So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I'm Carrie Poppy, and in this episode, we'll make you thicker and bigger and longer and harder and faster and juicier and plumper and rounder. Yep. I enlarged my penis and Carrie enlarged her breasts. Or at least we tried. <laughs> so, okay, Ross. Yeah. <laughs> that was pretty sultry there, we, that introduction. Thank you. Well, you know. I hope our listeners are titillated. I, I always figure that if I have to go out of the business of investigating Fringe claims. Uh -huh. I've always got a phone sex career. Excellent. That's, my, that's what I'm going <laughs> that's for. That's your fallback. Right. Okay. Um, so we took a lot of pills and lotions and weird devices. Uh, yes. Um, and applied them to ourselves. We sure did. And and whose idea was this? Tell me some of the other ones. Some of the the because it, it's not just these heavy topics. Sometimes it's really really fun. It's it's you know tarot cards or um, or massage or yeah. What what are some of your highlights over the years? I think the silliest ones. Boy, it might be a tie between penis and breast enhancements <laughs> and uh, um, Alex Chu's gorgeous pill. Oh. Gorgeous yeah. pill. I was. I thought you were going to say laughter yoga because laughter that's yoga is just a delight. <laughs> yeah, we love laughter. Uh, yoga gorgeous now. pill is a pill you take that will make you thirty percent more gorgeous. Okay, cool. Um, and the guy who makes it, Alex Alex Chu, he also has a device called the Immortality Ring that you put around your toes <laughs> or fingers and become immortal, which we are now. Um, oh, good, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, well, anything that has like kind of a, uh, a claim attached to it that seems to sort of buck against our understanding of the science or, um, the, the typical rational view, we'll try it out and see if there's a there there. We've gotten ear candled and fire cupped and, uh, had our colons flushed out of toxins. Uh, we've gone to sweat lodges. What else, Ross? What, what was that? That drug that you took down in um, South America. Ayahuasca. Yeah, that was actually, I think, our biggest series when you put all the episodes together, our journey down to Costa Rica. Uh, at the invitation of the particular resort that we went to, and um, yeah, I took ayahuasca for four days and uh, there were a wide variety of, you know, like stem cell treatments. I'm putting little air quotes on that and other services, uh, you know, more colon flushing and other things that they offered at that resort. So we had a lot to unpack with that journey. I can imagine. And, and are there moments where you show up to a place like this? Uh, you said you were invited to that one, but are there moments where you show up to a place like this and they're immediately like, that's Ross and Kerry, get them out. <laughs> You know, less often than you'd think, and I wouldn't say it's, it, it, has, it happened. has happened. It's rare that it's as we walk through the door. It's more often trip two or three. We've written our names on a form. Someone has the wise mm -hmm. job of Googling everyone's <laughs> name. Um, so Melissa Scott, who's a televangelist in Glendale, oh, yeah. her folks kicked us out on the, I think, second visit. Yeah, very awkward, uh, turning us away with a bunch of security guards. Yeah, um, there was one practice. We've, we've oh, also there was one practitioner of the Feldenkrais oh. method who um, mm -hmm. 
wouldn't let us come. That was a really interesting one because Ross contacted her first. He emailed her. She didn't reply. So I gave her a call and um, and asked if we could do her method. And she said, what's your name? And I said, Carrie. And she said, Poppy. And I said, oh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so then she said, oh, well, I got Ross's email. Uh, but fortunately, for some reason, I had the wherewithal in the moment to say, oh, do you Google everyone's name who emails you? And there was like a long pause. And she said, I don't think I want to answer that. <laughs> that means yeah, yes. Yeah, I obviously you do. <laughs> How funny. Uh, yeah, also, um, one of our favorite investigations was a, a small UFO group called the Aetherius Society. And they told us afterward that they had looked us up. And so they did know we had a podcast, but they just didn't think that we were going to make it about them. And um, we ended up having them on the show, which which I really enjoyed as an experience, uh, getting to to talk to them and kind of hash out our differences and end up in a place of friendship. Um, but uh, oh yeah, one of one of the worst examples was uh, during our OTO investigation, the Ordo Templi Orientis, sort of a black magic group, largely uh, incorporating the the ideas of Aleister Crowley. We we made the bad mistake of releasing our first part and then going back there. And they had found out about it. They knew about it. And they very uh, ceremoniously kicked us out. <laughs> What's the most painful experience you've had? So you mentioned ayahuasca. Um, I remember one uh, series that you did where you were detoxing or cleansing uh, where the... Uh, yeah, just it sounded like the worst couple of days of your life. Um, so, so what have been some of the the worst little uh, physical things that you've had to do for the show? Um, the master cleanse is one of the top <laughs> ones for me. Uh, so, the master cleanse is this diet where you drink nothing but lemon juice, water, cayenne pepper. You can add maple syrup to that if you're a wimp, uh, and then. For uh, for food, all you can have is laxatives, if you count that as food. Um, and so, but after a, a few hours of this with nothing in your stomach and you're still taking laxatives, like you get terrible, terrible stomach cramps. I mean, the worst stomach cramps I've ever had. So that was incredibly mm. painful. And by the time I was at, I want to say day, like the beginning of day three, I was just so sick. I was... Uh, I was vomiting. I had a terrible headache. I was like, I, some people do that for like 10 to 30 days. The three days was like the shortest you could do. And like the second that moment passed, I was like, cool, I'm good. I'm done. I'm cleansed. <laughs> what about you, Ross? Yeah, we both spent about a month drinking our pee, which is awful yeah. uh, for a urine therapy investigation. Um, but when it when it comes to pain, I, I do think of that ayahuasca a ceremony because there, there were four nights of it. And on the final night, I just had the worst trip ever. What uh, many in the, in the biz refer to as an ego death where I was just, I was convinced I was physically dying and I was ranting shirtless on the lawn for you know, like six hours or something, just convinced that my organs were shutting down. Um, that was, that was awful. But uh, I also think of uh, our firewalking investigation where I walked over the coals. This was all my fault. I was just <laughs> high on adrenaline. I thought, when am I going to get to do this again? So I just kept walking over them. It ended up being like six times. And I turned around on the sixth time and made it a, a, a seventh time or double the length. And my feet were fine for a little while. 
And then uh, slowly I started to feel the effects of them cooking. Mm-hmm. And I broke out in horrible boils. It was incredibly painful. And my right foot, uh, some five years later, is still never fully healed. Uh, and now I have eczema, which is, I, I think, I, I think I had a predisposition to it. But that firewalk, uh, you know, made it uh, show up and stay. And and is there anything that has come across the desk from either of you where you've sent it to the other and they're like, no, no, no way in your goddamn life am I putting myself through that? I can think of two. And actually, I can't remember if Ross sent them to me or if we both just nixed them from the outset. But one was Nexium. Uh, we became mm-hmm. aware of Nexium before sort of the greater public did. And uh, but, yeah, you know, we're like, this is far too dangerous. We're not going to get involved in that. Uh, and the other was uh, what do they call them? Jade eggs or something. Pe- people oh, will take yeah. these egg shaped items and put them in their vaginas. Uh, but it can give you like all sorts of infections and things. So I was like, no. Oh, yeah. And then I think. Ross tried to convince me, oh, it's okay because I'll stick one up my butt. And I was like, that doesn't help me. <laughs> well, that that particular one, that was also from, you know, Goop and Gwyneth Paltrow. But it was the, the A steam and the V steam. Um, so, yeah, you could you could get steam put up your your lady reproductive parts or um, or as a man, you could get it up your butt. But, um, yeah, Carrie, Carrie nicks that particular one. I think we I think we have kind of similar sensibilities when it comes to this and and we'll put ourselves in really awkward situations and sometimes painful situations but I I think we do have a line where we won't really hurt ourselves. Yeah, good. That's good to hear because I want to hear more episodes. <laughs> for for people who haven't heard the show before, I think you're explaining what so many people love about the show is this this kind of very dry, very methodical explanation from Ross. And and then at the same time, I'm not going to stick something up my butt. You know, it's it's like, it's this beautiful kind of uh, back and forth that you guys have. Um, Did that take a couple of episodes to develop? I know there's been, you know, certain jokes that have started a couple of episodes in that have just continued to repeat after, after that. Um. No, I think the show started perfect and it's exactly the same. Uh, No, I do actually remember after us recording our second episode, which was about the Sikhs, I remember afterward listening to it and being like, oh man, like we need to pump up the energy. I I just remember coming back to the third episode recording and being like, we got to be excited. Okay, we're going to record this podcast. Uh, So... Yeah, she had us beforehand, like pumping our arms and like, <laughs> yeah, we're excited. Let's do it. Let's go. Let's record. Doing that that girl uh, power thing. From yeah, the- kind of. <laughs> yeah. I, and so I, I do think those first couple episodes were really wrapped up in sort of format and what it should what it should sound like. And um, yeah, at the very beginning, we actually had like an outline. Yeah, like a it was script on paper. almost. That that fell away yeah. very quickly. And We've always just kind of now now our format is we get together for a couple hours and we just talk and we're always thinking, oh, this one's going to be really short. We don't have too much to talk about. And then two hours later, we're like, oh, shoot, we should make an ad break. (laughs) And also sometimes we're like 15 minutes in and we're like, oh, all we've talked about is the movie The Last Unicorn. How did this happen? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh yeah we'll get to your uh distractions in a in a moment but um yeah it does sound like you you come with a full wad of paper but what do you do neither of you see the other person's notes beforehand sometimes i i if um 
If I take my notes online, if I take them uh, in my Google Drive, then I'll share them with Ross just so he can kind of see where I'm headed with whatever I'm recalling. Um, but most of the time, I take notes by hand, so Ross wouldn't normally see them. What yeah, about you, Ross. And um, yeah, I'm usually like I I overtake notes, and I so I just write out tons of stuff, and so often it's Carrie's already kind of boiled it down to the uh, really. Uh, cogent salient points and then i'm saying hold on hold on <laughs> let me check um what else uh no that's all really boring why did i write that <laughs> in case we ever get sued yeah i i got that feeling just because of the you know every now and again you'd hear and and he had a blue jumper with a little i <laughs> think the amount of detail that you go to paint the pictures sometimes is, is pretty remarkable yeah well ross has amazing visual detail which thank god because i do not i i really see the world through like sort of verbal storytelling and analogy. And I don't, I really just don't retain what things look like at all. And this has been reflected to me by a number of editors where, you know, I'll be, I'll be writing a scene and say, the room looked like a, a part of heaven as imagined in the eighties. And they're like, Carrie, what the hell does this mean? Just tell me the color of the fucking room. I'm like, I don't know. I don't remember who remembers these things. Ross, Ross remembers these things. (laughs) I I think we, uh, we have a good complement of skills and uh, focuses, foci, foci. (laughs) Um, And, um, and so just naturally we'll kind of end up, uh, painting the scene more fully just because we're both kind of seeing it through different lenses and Carrie will have the more exact memory of kind of what people said or what the tone was. Um, and, and, and kind of to your earlier question, I, you know, I think it's just been sort of a continuity of the simple format and our friendship sort of being at the center of everything. And there are many ways in which we can and should sort of, um, add layers to what we do and more people but really it is mostly just the two of us kind of filtering and presenting all of this so that i think that's been our continuity throughout the last almost 10 years wow 10 years that's that's a hell of a long time to be doing anything right but especially a podcast uh, what were the numbers like when you first started <laughs> very small uh yeah we had these kind of uh milestones where we said wow that's like there's people that are not just our friends who are listening <laughs> and then later on we said wow like 300 people oh my goodness that's like more than we personally know <laughs> and um then uh, eventually the numbers climbed and climbed and climbed and um thankfully i i don't really keep that in mind cuz i think that would paralyze me if i was constantly thinking about you know tens of thousands of people listening I, I try to p- picture myself speaking to one person as often as possible. But um, yeah, I remember the point where we reached 50 people. That was like a very strange day for me. I mean, it was probably a week or two into the show, but I uh, I was working at a nonprofit and I had a meeting that day and we were all going around saying how we were, which was how my boss started the meeting, which is very nice. And uh, everyone else was like, oh, I'm doing okay. You know, oh, my, my cat peed on the rug this morning, whatever. And then I came to me and I was like, you guys, I started a podcast and 50 people a day have been listening to it. I don't even know. There aren't even 50 people in the office right now. How is this pop? Who are these people? What are their names? Where do they live? <laughs> uh, which now looking back, um, you know, is very quaint. <laughs> it's, 
it's still pretty rare, but like just being recognized on the street by someone who is not a you know cult leader or <laughs> someone we're investigating is uh, a really awesome experience. And it does happen. Um, and it's happened to both of us. Um, and, or, or where you get the family member or the coworker who says like, someone asked me if I knew you and what is this podcast? I wanted to ask about the, the amazing, um, the amazing times where you just kind of go off topic. Um, so I listened to an episode a couple of weeks ago. Uh, this was about five weeks old, I'd, I'd say. And I, I reckon you were off topic for about 70% of the episode. <laughs> Sounds like a good <laughs> we one. We probably apologize for it at the end. We know we're doing it. Yeah. So, so where, when do you know that like you, you've gone too far or, or uh, is it, again, is it just that, that thing that you find in the edit later or? I mean, I love bananas. I think they're, <laughs> I mean, it's like, it's, it's, it couldn't be breakfast food, but it can also be lunch food, you know? So I guess that's mm-hmm, my thought mm-hmm. on that. That makes sense. Um, yeah. Like, uh, it's, it's funny cause, um, only once have we ever gotten feedback and we get so much feedback only once has someone, only once has someone actually written and said, you know, I wish you'd really just stick to the topic, <laughs> that's right. but um, otherwise we never get anyone saying like, can you make these episodes shorter or, you know, you're having too many diversions. So I think we'll kind of catch ourselves eventually, but, uh, I think people like us making analogies to popular media and things that we've read and, uh, they seem to enjoy the, the silly offbeat banter that has nothing to do with anything. Excellent. Uh, and if you, so if you're going to tell people to, to start with one episode, what would it be? Gosh. I mean, it really depends on the kind of thing they're into. If you if you want something that's really light and fun, I really love the laughter yoga investigation. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want something deeper, harder hitting, a lot of people do start with Scientology. I think, hmm, I think the one we're doing right now, which is about um, exorcism school, is very fun. Though you'd want to start at episode one, and we're in episode five of that, I think, right now. What about you, Ross? Usually my advice is, well, if I'm speaking to someone, I'll say, well, what are you interested in? You know, if they're really into ghosts, I'll say, ooh, maybe check out our um, uh, Queen Mary uh, episode. Or um, usually I would say Scientology is a good go-to or the Mormonism episodes. But I'll tell them just kind of scroll through the list of what are now, you know, hundreds of investigations and and just look for something that you've always kind of wanted to know more about like oh yeah christian science what exactly is that um that's usually a good way to get going yeah absolutely uh well thank you so much for your time honestly uh like i said massive fans of both of your work so thank um, you keep making those episodes and is there uh just off the record is there is there a show coming up and that people have been begging for that's coming up genuinely off the record or off the record whispered into a microphone joking <laughs> i mean we wouldn't tell you or i wouldn't tell you uh but i can't i actually think there isn't anything major that we're holding off on right now let, let me ask you a di- different question then when you first started 10 years ago um did you think that there'd be a point where you just run out of stuff to say and then <laughs> or run, run out of investigations and now you're just like there's far too many things in the world to to look at I'll be honest. I think we knew from the beginning that this was a bottomless well, that we the the main frustration, I would say, is that we can't do more things at once because we're we're always doing, I don't know, four or five plus things at a time. Uh, And people send us ideas and suggestions and um, requests 
kind of faster than we can even respond to them or add them to our very, very, very long list that we keep. So, uh, yeah, that's not the problem for sure. Uh, time is the Yeah, end. I think what we did expect to happen much sooner was uh, people recognizing us uh, before we could get in there, which, you know, as we talked about earlier, has happened once or twice. But um, we thought, oh, you know, words just going to get around. <laughs> I don't I don't know what we pictured happening. There was like some new age newsletter they all subscribed to. And they're like, watch out. Yeah, exactly. Their, some alert right. system. <laughs> and, and I think actually part of the reason that hasn't happened that we didn't consider is all these people are competitors. You know, they're they're cultural um, adversaries and that they're all trying to sort of take a piece of the same pie and there's only so many pieces. You can only have so many faith healers who say they have the one and only truth. And so when you go in there... And they're there not and all on a Slack channel together. Right. Yeah, so exactly. if you go in there and disrupt right, yeah. one a little bit, they don't, they don't exactly <laughs> want to announce that to the others. So we could have uh, exposed their underground network and communication, but it doesn't seem to exist. <laughs> What that that leads me then to uh, QAnon. Is there anything you would? Oh, that's that's real. Oh right, yeah, okay. yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Well, goodness, I I think that's a really clear example of where you know when you say what's the harm with some of these ideas, it's very easy to say. Well, a lot of this is harmless; it doesn't spread or grow or really affect our daily lives. But QAnon uses all the exact same methods um, in this really pernicious manner and and that really is affecting our politics it's affecting uh interpersonal relationships it's breaking up families so uh yeah that's dangerous stuff and and if we're gonna sneak peek something we might do a little deeper dive on QAnon in the future okay well um stay safe out there if you do uh because those guys scare me way too much um but yeah once again thank you so much for for joining me today see you bye (laughs) all right right, thanks peter bye When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.